This is the August 21st meeting of the East Town of Easton Board of Appeals. Um, <clears throat> we have a couple of business items to take care of before we get to the public hearings. Um, before we do the substantive business matter, does, has everyone had a chance to look at the meeting minutes for July 24th and August 15th? Yes. yes. Anybody have a question or a comment on any of them? <coughs> no. No? No. Nope. Somebody want to make a motion to accept? Well, I'll move that the meeting minutes from the meetings of July 24 and August 15 uh, be accepted for acceptance. Okay. Motion, motion made by Mr. Mr. Curran. Um, seconded by Mr. McCall. All those in favor? Five uh, we got a few more minutes. Rick, you want to come up? to read on this one, so we are good on that. Um, this is an administrative hearing uh, for a um, clarification and an amendment to an existing uh, comprehensive permit. Um, applicant, you know, it's your floor. Okay, uh, if you, you want to introduce yourself and let us know why you're here. Okay, Rick Lincoln, um, Eastendale Cottages. So we're hopefully on the... Uh, 10 or five yard line. Um, and I noticed working with Suzanne uh, as we're jumping into the weeds here and trying to get everything done that the narrative on that, uh, this comp permit is like eight years old. And we saw some inconsistencies um, as I, I think you have a copy of the letter there between the plan. Actually, there were a couple sets of plans and then the final comp permit that was issued so and I caught this late in the game but we've been running essentially with 21 two bedrooms and seven one bedrooms which totals um, 49 bedrooms the comp permit limits it to 50 bedrooms but there is a paragraph in the comp permit for some reason that says the limit is 20 two bedrooms, I don't know why, um, but 22 bedrooms uh, would be 40, uh, that would put us at, we would need 10 one bedrooms to even get to the maximum. And we don't even, have, we can't even put that many units on the site. So hopefully the letter's not too confusing and uh, we're hoping we can just stick with the 21 two bedrooms and the uh, seven one bedrooms, which is on that plan that was presented the last meeting. Yep. Okay. So that's probably the, the more complex issue. So um, it's a somewhat of a complex issue because we've got to find whether or not it's a substantial change or an insubstantial change. And given the uh, 
sort of <coughs> relatively newness of the board. None of us were on, <coughs> on the board when this was approved eight years ago, so um, I'm not sure exactly what the historical reason for that was. Um, we can certainly entertain any questions if you guys have any questions for the applicant. I, I can add that, you know, the impervious area doesn't change. I mean, the stormwater doesn't within, change. There's yeah. literally just no changes. I don't know why the narrative contained that two-bedroom limitation. I mean, you're, you're, you'd still be within the number of permitted bedrooms um, un, under the worst-case scenario under what we're looking at. And I think I mentioned in the letter, the one-bedroom home actually has a bigger footprint than the two-bedroom home. Right. So just, I, like, I wasn't around seven or eight years ago either, so I'm, I'm not sure what they were, why that happened. That okay. was actually in my question. Were you involved in the original permit no. process? No, not at all. <laughs> I came in like six, seven months ago when it was Nick, you know, from seven or eight years ago when they permitted that. I just right. don't know. I've talked to the engineer extensively because there was a whole evolution. There were a lot of plans being presented. You know, it was a long permitting process. And so, uh, you know, I'm not sure why that was written in like that. It doesn't affect the affordable component. I mean, I just, I can't think of anything. There's no logic. Okay. Uh, I guess my question would be to more senior members, if this, something like this ever come up before, we've had to make a, I mean, it seems like a, on the surface, a relatively minor change, only swapping out one lot and, and simply adding one bedroom, so. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's changes that, <coughs> that we get all the time on, on stuff like this. It's just a question of, A, is it a, we have to find as a board whether it's a substantial change or an insubstantial change to the comprehensive permit, and then if we find and then vote on whether or not to approve or disapprove the, the request. It's, it's two different votes. Two different votes. Right. And, and an issuing of a new permit with the amended changes. You don't, you don't have, it's you just, it that. becomes an amendment of the existing permit. So, okay. Um, Ryan? That's a tough one. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you look at MGL 760 and you know, if you're saying, I mean, so it says a change in building type. Well, is a two-bedroom unit is a different building type than a one-bedroom unit? Or they just mean a garden apartment versus a townhouse versus, like, is that considered hard, a, a hard, building type change? Hard, hard for me to know <laughs> what was intended by the language in the comprehensive permit or why it's yeah. there. You know, insubstan you know, insubstantial changes are a change in the number of bedrooms within individual units. And it's right there. Right, and it says, it goes on to say, if the changes do not alter the overall bedroom count of the proposed housing by more than 10%, which mm -hmm. I guess here, they wouldn't, they wouldn't no. alter the overall bedroom count. Right. No, he's, a, he's approved for 50 bedrooms. Right. So I don't think there's any the, question about that. As long that. as it's five or under, which it clearly is. But he's at 49 anyway. So. Well, I guess my yeah. question is, which, which of these options 
are we, are we, are we going with here? This, the Gallagher cover sheet with 50 bedrooms, the details sheet with 47, the comprehensive permit, section 4, B1 and 2 with 50, or the Gallagher plan set. The with revised 49. plans in 09, I think, is what you're looking to do, right? So, Correct. Yeah. So, but which one is this the last one? Yeah. Yes. So we're looking at this one with the total bedrooms 49? Correct. Okay, and in theory, with the seven one bedroom units, he'd only be permitted to do, if he was only doing seven one bedroom units, he'd, and, and was restricted to the 22 bedroom units. So the footprints for each of the individual units doesn't change. No. It's just the way the interior of each unit is correct configured. Right. Even the, the only one bedroom we have is really a two-story unit, so it doesn't even change the elevation either. So. This has nothing to do with parking. It's not going to change the parking. Right. The, good question. But the parking, well, that's the next uh, uh, issue, but th that's just converting some covered parking to garages. But the, the total number of parking spaces doesn't change. Uh, the handicap doesn't change. There's really just no impact to the site whatsoever. That's why it's, I just have no idea why they would have put a limit on the two bedrooms. I mean, it doesn't make any sense to me. I think honestly, if, if, if it had been consistently throughout everything, I, I think I'd have more of an issue with it. But where there seems to be, you know, conflicting information in the plans, confl conflicting information in the comprehensive permit, and, and quite honestly, I don't have any idea as to what was discussed at the time. Right. Well, to um, me, that's an indication, too, that it was going like this all the way through. Yeah. Um, so, with lots of, and mass housing would prefer a two-bedroom because, obviously, one-bedrooms are sure. a little bit unusual, so... Jeremy, any questions? So, uh, so as I understand it, it's you're seeking to reduce it from 50 units to 49 units. Right. Is that right? Right. The septic system doesn't. I mean, the septic system is designed to handle 50, so that doesn't even change. Um, so we're just reducing the gallonage by 110 gallons a day. Any question? No. You good? Yep. Okay. So we've got that on the table. Why don't we talk about the next one, and yep. then at the end we can we can vote on how we're going to handle it. Okay. All right. So the next one, there was a mix between surface parking, and then they had as many covered garages, you know, private garages as they could fit. So going through it, we knew, we were like, what are we going to do? You know, how do we assign the garages? You know, there are going to be some folks that are left out in the cold that have to buy a house and just get a surface parking area. So then I hired the architect, and we're in designing some of the houses. And I, I just mentioned the garages, and he's like, well, they've got 14-foot wide garages. You don't need a garage that wide. Oh. So then we came up with this 11-foot and 12-foot wide covered parking garage scenario. So I'm, I'm 
that's the the the, um, the issue right now is to just convert the open parking areas to private garages and we what we did was that now every house has <coughs> a private garage okay and then we've got uh, surface parking for the remainder so the total uh, parking count per unit doesn't change at all so what let me ask you what did what what does this change from the last change that you were here for a couple months ago? Those as far as the houses, as we drove in, just the, the, the right. Okay, refresh my memory on that. Six houses have attached garages, yep. so that got us to that the number. Step. Yeah, um, and then that's when we started looking at. So that was the first house design. Then we jumped into the next house design. We started looking at the garage, the common garages. That's when we came up with the. All we've got to do is narrow the garages, and we can give more of that so nobody is left out okay and the impervious area is the same again it doesn't change anything so we thought it was a, a smart move and so by decreasing it go ahead john by decreasing it from 14 feet to 12 feet mm -hmm. that gave you the extra space correct so. right because the existing garages they had were 14 feet so we were able to come in with these these garage buildings and do you know why the original design contemplated having 14 I, foot wide garage all I can think of in the in the uh, and I not talked to Nick about it is the original plan was going to do slab on grade I'm doing full basement so all, I mean, maybe they were thinking they could store stuff in the garage I mean, there's no reason the, the garage door itself doesn't change the only thing that changes is, you know, the storage area, you know, on either side of the car. Will this uh, change anything to do with the, uh, where your storm water has to go on the site now? Instead of just raining on hardscape, it's going to go through and be channelized somewhere else? No, because the catch basins don't change. It all just sheds right off on the asphalt and, you know, heads where it was going to head before. All right. Take the guy out of the conservation commission. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. I don't you good? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. I'm all set. You good? Good. Jeremy, you're all set. Okay. Anything else you want to add? I think I'm good. Okay. All right. Let's. We'll do the next hearing, and then at the end, we'll we'll circle back and okay. discuss it. Thanks. Thanks, Rick. The 630 hearing special permit applicant is requesting permission to allow the expansion of a non-conforming structure and to allow the premises to be used as a dog kennel for property located at 286 Depot Street. Thank you. Sitting on this hearing to my far left is uh, Jeremy Kay. To my immediate left is Ryan Cook. To my far right, John Curran. To my immediate right, Tim McCall. And I am Michael Spillane, Chairman of the Zoning Board. Go ahead and you can read the public notice. I will read the public notice. <clears throat> Town of Easton Public Hearing. The Easton Board of Appeals will hold a public hearing on August 21st, 2018 at the Easton Town Hall, calling a Corona Boardroom, 136 Elm Street, North Easton, Massachusetts, on the following petition. Special permit applicant Julie Cardoza for property located at 286 Depot Street, Easton. Assessor's map 38U, lot 63, 
for a special permit pursuant to Eastern Code Book Chapter 235 Zoning, Section 235-21, and Section 235-56. Applicant seeks permission to allow the expansion of a non-conforming structure and to allow the premises to be used as a dog kennel. This notice is also available at masspubliconotices.org. And I will read in the following comments, starting with the Planning Board. On August 13, 2018, the Planning and Zoning Board discussed a special permit, file number 18-13, to allow a kennel facility for 45 dogs. The Board was in support of bringing this business to Easton and noted the construction of a parking lot in a residential district requires site plan approval. The Board voted unanimously to support the application. Um, Planning board again. The environmental planner did not recommend. Applicant is aware of the Conservation Commission requires a review and approval of notice of intent application with waiver request for structures within 50 feet of wetland. The water division recommended affordable housing trust not applicable. DPW recommended. Building department recommended. Police Department recommended. Historical Commission not applicable. And that is all. All right. Um, just so everybody knows, because I'm sure this is what you're probably all here for, um, we'll do the presentation. The board will have questions, and then we'll open it up to the public to make any statements that you'd care to make. Uh, Mr. O'Shaughnessy, if you'd like to proceed. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, for the record, my name is Michael O'Shaughnessy, and I'm here tonight on behalf of Julie Cardoza, who happens to be sitting to my right. Uh, Julie currently owns and operates a uh, dog boarding service known as Wagging Tail Dog Services. She currently operates in Sharon, Mass. Uh, she's a local kid, and she's trying to get her business uh, established in Easton. Um, she uh, came across a property located at 286 Depot Street um, that was for sale. She has a purchase and sale agreement to buy that structure subject to certain contingencies. One is getting a permit from this board. The other is getting uh, an owner of conditions from the um, Conservation Commission. Um, that request was filed last Friday, so we're, we're going to be going before the CONCOM in a couple of weeks. And uh, this also requires site plan review with the planning board. And you know, we're trying to hit one domino at a time. It's, it's summer schedules and all that stuff. Um, so what we're looking for is a special permit from you folks. One is to expand the existing structure. The other is to allow the property to be used as a kennel. Uh, a kennel use is allowed in the town of Easton by a special permit from you folks. I think it's allowed in every district but three. Um, so it's, it's, it's a common use. Um, Julie's looking for a kennel license for 45 dogs. Of the 45 dogs, three are yours? Three are mine. Three are Julie's, and the other two are um, that belong to her staff members. Um, so um, as I said, the premises is located at 286 uh, Depot Street. It's about three quarters of an acre in area. It's shown on the plan that was filed and I supplied to you guys. The house is about 1,000 square feet in size. The addition in the back is going to add about 750 square feet. Um, it complies with zoning setbacks, uh, current setbacks. Um, 
with respect to the front, rear, and side yard setbacks. Um, what's there now is effectively a, an old deck, so we're tearing down the deck and we're looking to add the uh, addition. Um, this zoning district is residential. Um, again, as I said, it's allowed. And um, Julie has plenty of staff to support her in this endeavor. She has four full-time employees, plus herself and several uh, part-time employees. So um, as you see in my brief, we've kind of broken down what the facility is going to be like. So we have the interior of the building. The interior is going to be broken up by Julie. I don't think we have a formal floor plan yet. But it's going to be broken down into several areas so she can have house, uh, areas for the dog to play and rest. She's going to have a common room. She's going to take advantage of the kitchen and the bathroom that's there. So from the outside, you shouldn't see anything because the addition's going to be in the rear. I mean, I assume she'll be doing some painting and all that good stuff to make it more aesthetically pleasing. But uh, visually, you shouldn't see anything. With the exception of the fence in the front yard, if you look at the plan, we're proposing three areas on the outside. Proposed area one is a fenced in area in the front. Uh, proposed play area two is to the, the side of the building, and proposed play area three is to the rear. Again, this is by design. Um, you know, if she has 40 dogs, we're not going to have 40 dogs all in one spot. By having the three areas outside plus the inside space, she has enough space where she can put four dogs five here, five dogs here, six dogs here. And that's important because it goes to noise control. Noise control is typically the issues we run into here. And uh, I'll, I'll go into that a little bit later on. The hours of operation, 8.30 to 5.30, uh, Monday through Friday. There's nothing on the weekends. Now, what's unique about Julie's business is people don't come and drop off their dogs. She goes and gets them. She has four vans that she sends out from the property. Yep. They leave the property and they return about 9.45 in the morning. So they leave about rush hour time and they come back after rush hour. So there's, there's no consistent flow in and out of the property all day. Um, just to give you guys an idea of where this is, this is across from Fernandes Lumberyard. Um, and well, I have this in front of me, and I just got this tonight, Mr. Chairman. This is a, a letter of support from the owner. So across the street is a commercial enterprise. Uh, next to Fernandez Lumber is a, uh, an iron worker, an ornamental yard or something. So commercial use is consistent with what's being done in this area right now. So Julie comes and gets the dogs. They stay there all day. Uh, Julie and her staff look after them. They play with them. There's a little bit of training, I think. Yep. Maybe occasionally there's some going in and outs for vet visits or some grooming or something to that effect. At 3.30, dogs get all loaded up in the vans and they go. The vans return or do the employees take them home? They come back. Yeah. Vans come back, employees get in their car and that's it. And that's kind of the beauty of this plan. On the plan we're proposing, uh, we need four parking spaces. We have five, so we meet that, that we satisfy that requirement. Um, and I also enclosed an aerial photo in my filing. I don't know if you guys got a chance to look at it. So what we have here is to the West, we have woodlands. To the south, we have woodlands. To the north, we have Depot Street with Fernandes Lumber. And to the east, we have uh, an abutter. And that's our closest abutter. And you can kind of see it on the plan. The abutter's house, it's, it's fairly new. It's a large structure. We're, we're not getting anywhere near that in size. So we're, we're trying to stay within what's in the neighborhood. So um, under section uh, 
235, Section 21, that's where your authority comes from to approve the expansion of the nonconforming structure. And it's not really the whole special permit analysis. Is you have to determine whether or not such reconstruction, extension, alteration, or change shall not be substantially more detrimental than the existing nonconforming structure to the neighborhood. And that's, that's the finding you need to, to make with respect to the expanding the structure. Changing the use to a kennel use is a little different. And there's a whole section in the bylaw that I'll go through here now. So with, with respect to expansion and non-conforming use, again, we're, we're not increasing the footprint by that much. We're at about 1,100 right now. We're adding 700 square feet. As I said before, the addition is in the rear. It complies with the zoning setbacks. If this was a residential property, um, we wouldn't even be here for it because the building inspector would have the ability to say, oh, you check all the boxes for me to make that determination. But because we're going to the kennel use, I think it's necessary to have in place. Um, as I said before, the, the, the addition replaces a porch that's on the back. It's kind of dilapidated. And again, it just gives Julie more room in case of weather to bring the dogs inside and do what she needs to do to run her business. Now, with respect to the kennel use, that's, that's a little more uh, significant. Um, you have to evaluate whether or not using the kennel will not outweigh its beneficial impacts to the town or the neighborhood. In view of the particular characteristics of the site and of the proposal in relation to the site. Again, as I explained before, on two sides, we have no direct abutters. We have woodlands. On the east side, we have one residential abutter, and across the street, we have commercial enterprises. From my perspective, this is a pretty good location for this, and we'll get into the noise in a second. Um, and, and the reason I bring up the noise is because uh, I've been involved with the noise issue before with respect to a kennel. And this, this situation is kind of unique, and, you know, we think that any impact from noise is mitigated here. Uh, first of all, the hours of operation mitigates the noise. We're, we're running from 8.30 to 3.30. That's usual working business hours. We don't anticipate a whole lot of people being home. We think that's going to take the edge off of the, the little bit. The second issue is, with all these spaces, we're not going to have groups of dogs all in one spot at one time. If there is a dog outside that starts barking and becomes a nuisance, Julia or staff has the ability to take that dog, bring it in, separated from the other animals and keep the noise down. Again, we're not trying to be impactful to the neighbors. The third component um, is we can also install some soundproofing on the fence. There's, there's a product called Acoustic Fence. If, if a neighbor had an issue, they could file a complaint with the Board of Selectmen and Julie would have to address it. We, we don't want to go there. We don't want to be before the Selectmen having their kennel license uh, affected. So if, if you know, Noise becomes a problem, we can put this product on the fence, and what it does is it deadens the sound. It deadens it by about 20, 25 decibels. So that's another uh, arrow in her quiver that she can use. Lastly, if there is a dog that's barking all the time, Julie can say, unless you get your dog trained or behaved, it's not coming here anymore. Um, so with all that in mind, I think it's a good plan to keep the noise under, under control to, to not affect the neighborhood. So then there's some other things you folks need to consider. One, social, economic, or community needs which are served by the proposal. 
Um, everyone's looking for someone to board a dog. Um, I've run into it. I'm sure you guys have run into it. Other boarders that I've worked with, they're inundated with, with calls. You know, can you board my dog? We're going away on vacation. We're going away for the day. We're doing this. We're doing that. It's a need. Julie's been in business for a while. She hasn't had any complaints at her current, uh, her current operations. So, um, you know, I'm sure she will serve the community well. Uh, traffic flow, safety, including parking and loading. As I said, for as far as parking goes, we comply with your bylaw. You will also note on the plan, you'll see a little fenced in the area with a van. So the plan is for unloading of the dogs, a van will pull into that spot, unload the dogs in a safe six foot fenced in area, then the dogs will be transferred into the other facilities. Uh, it protects Julie, it protects the neighbor, it protects the dogs. With respect to traffic flow and safety, I would suggest respectfully that Fernandez Lumber will generate a lot more traffic than we will. And with our limited number of trips, which will be four in the morning and four in the evening, we will not have a huge impact on Depot Street traffic, especially given the hours of operation. Uh, the other consideration is the adequacy of utilities and other public services. This uh, facility has a fairly new septic system. It's in the front. If you look at the site plan, you'll see that there was an old driveway there. At some point in time, there was a driveway in the front and must have got relocated to the sign to put in the septic system. It's serviced by municipal water and it shouldn't be an issue. Uh, impacts on the natural environment. Um, so, um, as you know, um, dogs defecate if you have a dog. And Judy, Julie engages a service called Duty Calls. It's Duty Calls Right. So what it is, is there's, there's a, um, a bin on site, the waste gets collected, it gets put in, in, a, in a container of some sort, a bag, and it gets put, in, gets put in the container. Duty calls comes once or twice a week. Once a week. Yeah. Once a week, empties it, it's all taken care of off-site. So with respect to any impact on the natural environment, I, I just don't see it. Um, as part of our mitigation plan, when we do go to the Conservation Commission, we, we're, we're doing some buffer zone enhancement work to try to offset any impact as well. Uh, the last element you need to consider is potential fiscal impact to the town services. Uh, respectfully, I would say this is going to have um, no impact on town services. There's no kids, uh, there's, there's no water, there's no new infrastructure, everything's there, it's self-contained, and this will be a, a positive contribution to your tax base. Um, I think we've hit all the points that we need to enable you folks to be able to render a favorable decision on our request for the special permit for both of those items. I'm happy to answer any questions that you guys may have. John, any questions? Um, yes, I have several. Um, with regard to that noise reduction device that you referred to earlier, mm -hmm. uh, I don't remember the name of it. It was, was called it? an Acoustifence, the, the trade name. Acoustifence, yeah. So is that, Please explain to me how that device works. It's a black mat, rubber mat, that gets hung on the, the, the chain link fence if needed. I see. So all it does is it dampens the sound. It cuts it down by about 25 decibels. So the fences that are going to be put up are chain link fences. Chain link fence. In the event of noise complaints. We'll put up the, the fencing material to try to cut down the noise because uh, Julie, this isn't a, uh, is a one stop with you guys. She also needs to get a kennel license for the town. And if there's noise complaints, they file with the Board of Selectmen, and she has to deal with that then and there. And it's, it's, it's not a very pleasant experience for anyone involved. So we, we don't want to get it to that point. Has any consideration been given to just putting that 
noise reduction device up immediately? Um, well, if you, if you look at the plan, I, I would obviously, there's, there's an economic impact to Julie. Um, she's spending a whole lot of money here. And at this point in time, I'd rather have it as uh, a prophylactic measure for future use if needed. Um, the, the, your budding neighbor is four feet up, so as far as sound travels, it's going to kind of hit a wall and kick up. So I'm not even sure it's going to be needed. Um, if you folks wanted that as a condition of approval, um, and that's what we need to do to get folks to approve it, I would say if we could just limit it to the easternmost section of fences for now, where it abuts the, the neighbor to the east, um, I'd be okay with that. How far is the neighbor to the east from? Uh, I scaled off 61 feet. If memory serves, the, the, the structure was about 61 feet away to the closest neighbor. Yeah, 61 feet away. And then the, the nearest neighbor to the west is 325 feet away. But yeah, I think you did, I understand you to say earlier there's wetlands in between. Yeah, if you, look, if you look at the site plan that I presented to you, you'll see a bunch of little, I apologize for the 11th by 17th, I, I would have brought full size. Um, I assumed it was going to be on the TV. You'll see a bunch of little symbols. Um, if you're looking at uh, Depot Street, uh, you'll see a proposed parking space, and you'll see a dotted um, dashed line that kind of traverses in a southerly direction. Yes. And cross that's the wetland lines. And then on the other side of that, there's another butter. Is that what you're? Yeah, 300 feet away down on Depot Street. Um, Over 300 feet away. And. With respect to the uh, waste disposal, mm -hmm. um, I take it that the the dog feces is going to be deposited in some kind of a receptacle, like a barrel almost. Yeah, it, it gets bagged up, and then it gets put in this this container, and the container is a sealed container, so odor can't get out of it. Um, so when it gets bagged up, is, is the bag itself closed in such a way that there wouldn't necessarily be any odors? We like triple bag it. We put a lot of bags on it. Okay. Uh, because it pickups, I think you said once a week. Yeah, but I can change that to twice a week. Uh, just a little. I don't know if you misspoke in your presentation, but you mentioned the hours would be from eight thirty to three p.m. Uh, 8.30 to 3.30, right? So the, my employees come to the kennel at 8.30 a.m. and they right. come back with the dogs in the vans by 9.45 is the first van that comes. And then we load up the dogs by 3.30 and we're out there, but we leave by 3.30, 3.45. All right, because in this it says the uh, proposed hours for dogs is 8.30 to 5 p.m. Right, right. That's um, when we're there. Yeah, yeah there, there could be, we just figured we'd have the, the little overlap in All time right. in case we get delayed. After five, it'd just be some staff cleaning up or whatever it is. And no, no overnight boarding? No overnight, no, no weekends. All it's right. just a doggy daycare. Okay, and now on the uh, plan, I just noticed a couple small structures. Are those to be removed as part of your renovation? You've got a chicken coop, a shed. 
or are they just going to remain? Uh, so the chicken coop is gone because that's where our drainage swell has to go. Uh, the shed to the rear, I assume you're going to get rid of it, the one here. Yeah. Yeah. This shed in the rear will probably get removed. Uh, so the reason why the play parry, uh, is there a reason why the play area number one has to be located in that spot? I mean, you got the leaching field up here. I just didn't know if there was a... Well, we, we again, just trying to, to, to find some areas to put a dog outside if needed. It's kind of nestled behind the block retaining wall that's there for the leaching field. So it's positioned between block wall and the house. How, how high is a block wall? Like maybe four yeah. feet or something? Two, three feet. Yeah. Two or three feet? Yeah, two, three feet. It's a raised septic system, I think. Raised, okay. That player is also for the small dogs. So we'll only have 10 small dogs. And small dogs actually don't really like being outside a lot. So we have couches inside the living room where they'll lay on and we cuddle with them. So they'll have like free access to go in and out. Yeah, they and want. there'll always be somebody there with them. All right, I don't have any other questions. Jeremy? How, how big are each of these three players? Uh, they vary in size. Um, play area one is almost, it's 961 square feet. Play area two is 2,200, and play area three is 2,500 square feet. And so the, so the 45 dogs are going to be basically divided up between those three areas and the inside of the house? Yes, that's the plan. We don't it, keep them all outside at the same time. Either. And how does that, how does that uh, uh, compare to what you're used doing now in Sharon? Right now I have 25 to 30 dogs. Um, and. I have one person outside with them and another person inside because not all dogs like to be outside all the time. So it's usually half outside, half inside. But how about in terms of like the size of the play areas uh, and its proximity to the neighbors? Um, right now, it's pretty much the same where I am in Sharon. I've been there for almost four years and I've never gotten a complaint. Um, what we do with the dogs is like if they start to bark, we bring them inside. So it's the same size area, but you have 30 dogs? Yeah, so one of the play areas is one size of what I have now in Sharon. Like, this play area is the same size as what I have in Sharon. So right that's now. play area three. So it's play the area same size as what she currently uses for 25 to 30 dogs. Okay, so you're talking about more than doubling that and adding about 15 dogs, give or take. Yes. And it's about, again, about the same distance from the neighbors there. Yep. And they don't they don't mind it. No. And is it and these they're, they're train link fences, so can they can the dogs be seen from the adjacent property? I'm gonna put um like there's slats that you can put through the chain link. So I'm gonna put those through. So they can't see through. But right now we're on a farm so they're used to seeing horses. <laughs> so if they don't see horses they're not gonna bark at anything. So, so the other thing that's not represented on the plan, there's a treed buffer pretty much between this property and the adjacent property to the east. It's not a clear shot. Okay. And they're higher up by about four feet. Okay, thank you. Ryan? Nothing for me. Just a couple of questions. Um, so under the, under the special permit rules, we can grant a special permit as long as this is in subzone A. Do we know if it's in subzone A? Subzone A. So under, under the, the zoning criteria, um, section six, dog kennels permitted by zoning board, 
as long as we're in residential subzone A. Right. We okay. are in the, we, we are in that zone. We are in, we are in the residential zone district. Yes. It's residential, but then it's there's a subzone within the residential district. It's allowed under all the residential districts. This this says only A. Where does it say only A? There. No, that's CBA. Because if you look at the subdistrict A, no. No, that's the Quisset. Oh, all right. Never mind. Right. Yeah, Quisset is not allowed. The Village Business yeah, District, no. and there's another one. Um. Okay, so. I withdraw. Um, <laughs> is, uh, is anybody going to be living in the house? No. No. Okay, so it's strictly business. Lock it up at the end of the night. Go, everybody goes home. And um, I don't have any more questions right now. So uh, why don't we turn it over to the public and see what questions they have. What we'll do is one at a time, you guys can come up. You're going to need to use the, the microphone, introduce who you are, where you live. And uh, if you have any. Good evening. Good evening. My name is Toye Kolawale, and I live on 286 Depot Street. I'm the right next door neighbor. And uh, I've lived in that house since 2000. I pay close to $9,000 in property taxes every year. The last thing I want is for a dog to be right next door to me back in. My wife works 11 to 7, so that means she sleeps during the day. I'm retired. I'm home all day. I'm allergic to dogs. This is why I don't have dogs. It's not that I don't like dogs. My kids all complain throughout their growing up, but I'm allergic to them. I cannot have them near me. I've had two no surgeries done because of, you know, allergy. The last thing I want is this right next door to me. It's just not right for me to you know, allow this to happen right next door to me. The, you know, I'm, I, I mean, there's no way. If I could move my house, believe me, I would rather they keep their business and I will move my house somewhere else. But unfortunately, where am I going to move a 2.6 acre of land? You know, because all the, you know, the land behind me, behind them, it's all mine. Even the shed in front, you know, of the house is all my property. But I don't mind, you know, we're neighbors, it doesn't matter, I'm not using that land for anything. But for them to have a dog there just doesn't sit well with me. Because, you know, I mean, I, I've done everything, you know, because I have very, very bad allergies. I have a rainbow vacuum, I have a Kirby vacuum, I have a central vacuum. I even have to change my rug in my house to put hardwood floors. I've done everything. My allergy is very bad and the last thing I want is to have something that's going to aggravate it again. I'm 66 years old. This is not the way I want to live the rest of my life. Thank you. Thanks. Hi, my name is uh, Chris Valen. I'm an attorney with uh, Residence McCluskey, in which we represent on a butter at 282 uh, Depot, William Callahan, uh, who recently just bought this property to uh, fix it up and sell it as a residential. Uh, some of the main concerns that Mr. Callahan has uh, with this proposal is one, uh, the street on depot directly where it is, there is a pretty steep curve, uh, which he thinks that there could be some traffic concerns, uh, but primarily same reasons what uh, the last gentleman just said, uh, the noise as well as uh, defecation and potential smell issues that I uh, think would greatly impact in uh, negative impact uh, the property that he just bought. 
I do have a memo that he did write that I'd like to pass out. Okay. Thank you. Anybody else like to speak? Come on up. My name is Mark Cardoza. I'm Julie's dad, a lifetime resident of Easton. Um, I appreciate your comment, and I understand. I, too, have allergies, severe. Today I was dropping, all right, goldenrod, <laughs> ragweed, whatever you want to call that yellow stuff that grows around <laughs> our houses. I, too, live on a river. I, we're, we're encompassed two sides. So I know exactly. We have deer coming through the yard constantly. Yesterday we saw a coyote running through the yard. So, and I understand dogs. We have a cockapoo. We had two, uh, but uh, one died. They're 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 non-allergenic. Um, I understand the need for the problem with dogs, but we're, what we're doing here at Wagontails, and I've worked with Julie and my wife. Have, we originated it with her. Um, we're minimizing any sound by distribution of dogs. That's a huge factor. Dogs bark for two things. One, they're playing or they see something. By barricading the vision from with fencing minimizes the barking, not only that, but the covering of the fences with the rubber texture. Um, we've noticed on the farm, in Sharon, cows, horses, and chickens. Well, cows, horses, and chickens, they barked. So what we did is we put tarps up on the chain link fence and subdued the barking. Okay. Um, we're very aware of noise control. We have a calming room. So if a dog does act up, they go into the calming room. The calming room, no kidding, has got music and a couch and a soft environment. Calms the dog down. Uh, in Sharon, we have, what do you call them? The little stalls where you put them? The Timeout time rooms. Yeah. All right, they have timeout rooms where they seclude the dog. So we're very much into management of dogs. Um, the problem with kennels is their perception from what other kennels do. We don't do that. We're a concierge and a very boutique program. Okay? We pick up your dog, we bring them there, we take your dog home. Uh, that was a point that concerned me when we first opened this model. Uh, I pulled into Classic Canine one day to pick up my dog, and Julie was working there at the time, and I would watch people put these dogs in the back of their $100,000 car. And I said, wow, and they put stuff on the, the back of the thing. One of the guy had a ramp. I used to sit there and watch this. So I said, the concept should be pick up your dog, bring him to the place. Nobody dirties their car. It's a great concept. It's been very successful. The other thing is people are busy. They don't want to have their dogs groomed. They don't want to have to go to them. We take them to the groomers. It takes care of all of that. The vet, we take them to the vet. The only thing that the owner has to do is care for their dog by loving them and feeding them. And even sometimes we manage their diets and their health issues. So we are very much into taking care of dogs and treating them like your man's best friend. Um, allergies, um, I, don't, I have allergies too. We have, I've had Dogs, I don't know what to tell you, but we have allergies all encompassing our houses. Um, I, uh, we, we minimize that. The, uh, the defecation, um, we put them in bags, we put them in a container, it's sealed, 
If we need to have it removed twice a week, we'll have it removed twice a week. That's not an issue. And the other thing is volume. Sometimes there aren't many dogs and sometimes we're full. So the days where we're, there aren't many dogs, there's less defecation and there's less noise. So we've done everything we possibly can to minimize that. So we blocked, it, blocked their view so they don't bark at cars going by. We, uh, we put stuff on the fencing so that satisfies that. Uh, when I was looking at the property, I noticed the noise from the street. The cars going by was hard to talk at times. Um, in comparison to dogs, that's a constant noise going by those cars. And I used to live on a major road, so we know what it's like when a truck goes by and hits a bump. It wakes up everything. Uh, so we, we're doing everything we possibly can to minimize the noise. We'll do everything we possibly can to take care of the, the poop. Um, and we'll take care of whatever we need to do um, to help you, to make you happy as well. And, um, and as, as you too. I mean, you're talking about a distance down the road. So we're trying to minimize everything and keep it consolidated. And by having three play areas, we can distribute the dogs. And not only that, but 45 dogs divided by, 50, by um, the three is what? Do the math for me, 15? 15. Okay, so 15 outside, but some of them aren't outside, so half of them are in. So now we've got seven or eight outside while seven or eight are in. So see, we've done everything possible to minimize any sound, any defecation, any smell, uh, everything possible. Um, and, and again, it's not the typical doggy daycare. It's a concierge concept. And I don't mean to sound like it's a snob concept, but it kind of is. Okay? It's a concept where um, you know, your, your dog is cared for and end of story. As far as overnight boarding, the concept with us is to board them in their own home. We've noticed through boarding dogs that our own dogs and talking to other people that boarding a dog in their home is less stressful for the dog. Well, people really care for their pets. We do. So we want to care for them as well. So we have employees that will visit and stay overnight at the dog's home as opposed to bringing the dog to the daycare. The dog is going home having stress, anxiety issues, diarrhea, on top of all that. We eliminate that by having in-home boarding. So we do overnight boarding in individuals' home, not on the property. Sorry. Hope that helps. Thank you. Anyone else? Any additional questions? The applicant. Anything you want to add? Yeah, Mr. Yeah. Chairman, again, I, I was skeptical when this was first brought to me um, for the reasons that the neighbors have and all that stuff. But to me, this, this model will work in this property, and, and that's why I'm here tonight presenting it to you. Um, if, if it was overnight, if it was cars coming in and out all day, I, I would tend to think, particularly given this location on Depot Street, it would be an issue. But we have limited traffic. We have a thoughtful plan on how the business runs. We have a local business supporting a new business. Uh, I think the board is well within its rights. I think we check all the boxes. And I think there's enough information for you folks to be able to authorize the special permits that we've requested tonight. We ask that you do so. Good. John? Um, yeah, his, at, your, at your prior location, has any, any of the neighbors expressed 
personal health concern, such as the one that um, this gentleman, forgive me, I, bad with names, sir, I don't remember your name. Um, has expressed tonight in his comments? No, I've never gotten any complaints or anything about them. Um, I know them too. I don't know of them, but I know them from being there. Um, they respect me. I respect them. So. Well, yeah, no, no. I, I, I guess my question though is that has in your current location have so that none of the photos have said for you. I'm definitely aware of the dogs. Is there something you can do about it? No, I've never gotten that. So, so the neighbors have said your your thirty dogs now have made my allergies worse, as opposed to having two dogs next door. The thirty dogs haven't increased the amount of allergic reactions with your neighbors. No. Okay. But you you said that if I may, you, you said that that the neighbors next door had horses. We have horses on the farm. Where she is now. Where I am now. You you have horses. My landlord does. So it's like my farm's. The daycare's here, and the horses that are my landlords are back here. Between, between where the dogs are and the neighbors? Um, no, it's all on the same. It's Eddie's property, the same property. Okay. That's the investigation area. That was. You have to address the chair. Yeah. What, what was the question? The one in Sharon. Is this strictly residential? Or? Is, is that in a residential area? Yes. Yeah, and, and okay. there's another one in Easton. Um, what's the name of it? Um, we were talking about it before. Classic Canines. Classic Canines. Okay. It's in a residential area as well. Okay. Um, is there a magic number with 45 or? Um, it's just I'd, I let my employees bring their dogs. So I have three dogs. My employees have two. Um, and then right now I do 20, 25. And I, would, I just like to do 40. Um, some dogs like to play with certain dogs, so I try to pair them up with the play group of like how they like to play. So there could be a group of like three dogs playing, and sometimes those dogs aren't there that day, so I'd like to have those dogs come so they can all play together. Because the point of it is that they get their exercise while the owners are at work. It's just a fun environment. Okay, thanks. I don't have anything else. I have uh, the, uh, it's Sharon, it have you ever had any complaints against your business in Sharon? No one's filed any formal complaints? No. Okay. I don't have any questions. Nothing else from the applicant. Um, entertain a motion to close. Move to close the discussion. Okay. Close the hearing. Anybody want to second that? I'll second that. Okay. Motion made by Mr. Curran, seconded by Mr. Cook. Any discussion? All those in favor of closing? Five nothing. All right, we'll deliberate shortly and want to hang around. Why don't do we want to do this one while it's fresh in our mind, or do we want to go back to Rick? I don't really mind one way or the other. Okay. So the first one we've got is um, the number of bedrooms. So, or number two bedrooms. Um, anybody have any thoughts, suggestions, comments, uh, concerns? Honestly, my, my thoughts on this are, if you, if you read, if you read, uh, where was, where was, oh, right here, MGL 760. I mean, it really comes down to whether this is a substantial and insubstantial change. Well, that's, uh, a, that's the first finding, yep. So, it, to me, as far as I'm concerned, I see this as an insubstantial change. 
Um, change in the number of bedrooms in the individual units of such changes did not alter the overall bedroom count of the proposed housing by more than 10%. It seems pretty cut and dry. Um, so that I'd consider that insubstantial and doesn't require anything. And as far as the parking garages, and what, what would, I mean, what would be the standard on this? Is this also substantial versus insubstantial? Yeah, same, same, same I mean, issue there. We've got to find that it's an insubstantial change in order to get to the vote on whether or not to approve it. So, um, yeah, but this really deals. Right. Mm. I mean, it's, not, it's not an increase in height. It's not an increase in the number by more than 10%. Um, it's not a change in building type. It's not a change in form of housing tenure to another. It's, I mean, I don't see how it's possibly a substantial change. I mean, it seems fairly cut and dry. I mean, it's just doing the same thing, same footprint. He's changing, you know, adding some covered parking, basically, and changing some units such that uh, he, he could do up to 50, but so he can get the 49, and it would change in a couple from two bedrooms to one bedrooms. I mean, uh, I think it's kind of silly that he has to come to us to even ask for that permission, <laughs> but it's the way that the laws are written, so be it. But um, yeah. those are my All thoughts. Right. Anybody else? John? Nope, I am. Actually, I think Ryan pretty much encapsulated my feeling. Nope. Any? Questions, comments, no? I, I agree. I'll put what you just said into a motion. Sure. Uh, I make a motion to, um, for. Do one at a time. Yeah. Do the, do the better yeah, this one first. here. So with respect to uh, number of bedrooms per unit, mm -hmm. uh, for the Gallagher plan set, the 21 two-bedroom units and the seven one-bedroom units for a total of 49, uh, consider that an insubstantial change. And as for the uh, garage units, uh, the yeah, let's let's do that one oh, first. Oh, just that yeah. one. Okay. Oh, because they're separate. We'll do this one as an insub. Yeah, we have to do four plan. votes total. So right. okay. do that one. Okay. So we have a motion that that the request to do 21 two-bedroom units and change essentially change the the limitation in the comprehensive permit is an insubstantial change. Right. Does anybody want to second that? Seconded. Seconded by Mr. McCall. That's right. Any discussion? <laughs> All those in favor? All right. Five nothing that it's an insubstantial change. Now we can now we can entertain a motion to approve the request to uh, allow for 21 two-bedroom units Seven while still one. maintaining a maximum of 50 total bedrooms. Right. I'll make that motion. Motion made by Mr. Cook. Seconded. Seconded by Mr. McCall. Any discussion? Seeing none, all in favor? Five nothing. One down. All right, so the second one as far as the garages, uh, I make a motion to consider it an insubstantial change. Seconded. Motion made by Mr. Cook, seconded by Mr. McCall. All, no dis any, any comments, discussion? None. 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 Seeing none, all those in favor? Five nothing. And a motion to uh, allow the change. Motion made by Mr. Cook. Seconded. seconded by Mr. McCall. Seeing no discussion, all those in favor? Five nothing. Jeremy, can't wait to vote. All right. 
Who wants to start on the special permit? So what's the procedure on that? So this is just a, there's, there's two motions in front of us. One is that the, uh, they be able to uh, build the addition onto the pre-existing non-conforming structure. So they're extending the non-conformity and, and uh, as the applicant's attorney had said, we have to find that it is, uh, you know, that the, that the they're not extending it beyond what is reasonably acceptable within the within the neighborhood. The second application is changing the use from a residential home to the kennel, the kennel for all intents and purposes. Um, we can discuss everything as one, but then we have to do two separate votes. Do we have a discussion now or? Yeah, okay. no, that's what that's what we're doing. We're do sorry. I'm just not sure if it's two votes. Huh? I thought I understood it's two sections of the bylaw, but one vote. However you folks want to handle this. I think, I think we have to approve the addition as one vote and then the use change. I don't think it changes anything from your perspective. Um, I suppose there's probably no point in doing one without the other, but I think we'll get to that point one way or the other anyway, so. Um, anyway, so you were saying, do you? Well, I think I would like to add, add in, um, you know, since there's one neighbor that's close by that they go ahead and purchase the sound dampeners as a requirement for approval. Uh, as far as the other factors. But, I mean, but I, where? Just it's on the one end, side. Well, just on the one side closest to the, I would the neighbor. Say. Because okay. the other one's with 300 feet away, I mean, and as far as the other concern, the neighbor, I certainly feel for his situation with allergies, but I mean, a, a residential person could have bought that and, and have five cats or three or four different dogs. I mean, and I think you, you certainly, if it, um, the kennel is not doing what they're promising to do, you have an avenue to make complaints and get the license pulled at a later date. So that's the way I feel on, on that. I think it's a, a good use of the property. You know, the hours are limited. There's businesses on, uh, what, across the street, and then to the, you get the metal place the there, works. and then the next house is pretty far down the road. They're only bringing the dogs in. There's not gonna be a lot of cars going in and out. So that's how I feel. John? I guess what gives me pause, maybe it's just a matter of understanding. I mean, if, if somebody says that they're allergic um, to the dogs, and I, at least during the course of the discussion, I didn't necessarily hear anything you could do to abate something like that. I mean, if, and I just don't know how that translates. If, you know, a house being 60 somewhat feet away, if that's far enough away, uh, whether, you know, do the dog hairs get transmitted by, by the wind? I mean, I, I just don't, everything that, that uh, Tim said, I think makes sense with respect to 
the property and you know my reaction to the presentation. I, I just I guess I'm not necessarily prepared to minimize the potential uh, impact on the neighbor who, who says that he's allergic. And if you're going to have that many dogs in an area that's essentially uh, close, you know, close to his property, it's it's a concern. So I, I find, I think it's a thoughtful business. I think I can see advantages to having it. Uh, I appreciate that they seek to do everything possible to minimize the impact on the neighbors. But I don't think we're talking about four or five cats here. I think we're talking about 45 dogs. And that's a lot of dogs. And uh, I'm pretty sympathetic to the neighbors who are potentially impacted and who plan to retire and live there. And and uh, so, uh, much was made uh, about the the uh, fact that this was not going to be open on nights and weekends, but that doesn't seem to um, satisfy the concerns of the folks who are going to be there all week uh, during the day. Uh, so that those are my concerns. Okay. Ryan? Uh, for me, it seems like a very thoughtful business plan where they, uh, you know, my wife is an allergy sufferer. Um, so we have one of those, you know, hypoallergenic dogs. We have a Labradoodle. Um, but, it, you know, Easton's also right to farm towns. They could throw a couple horses or, you know, over the case, and, and there are certain things you're allowed to do. Now, this is obviously a little bit beyond that with the volume of dogs. Um, but the plan where they, they have the dogs separated where um, there's only a couple out at a time. Uh, I mean, my wife, is, my wife can be allergic to ragweed and... and uh, the neighbor never takes care of the yard and there's massive amounts of ragweed and there's not much you can do about it. Um, there's only so much we can control. In this case, we can control, allow them to have that there or not. Uh, we could restrict the number, you know, the volume of dogs. Right now there's what, 30 or 35 or whatever and 45 is a lot. I mean, we have the ability to say there's too many. Uh, but then what's the right number? I don't know. Not easy. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, that, I think it kind of speaks to what I was saying earlier. I don't, I don't know what the right number is. Mm -hmm. and the purpose of the bylaws is, is such that you have some restrictions on what can and cannot, so you can control development in the town, but also not to encumber uh, other members of the town, their right to ownership of their property. And I think that's a bigger question here is, is does it encumber the neighbor's right to enjoy his property. I don't know, I'm still thinking about that. Well, I clearly will, I mean, obviously. Sure. I mean, you got what's there now, it's been, what, a residential plan, I mean, it's a big change, I mean. But I don't, I think they have a good plan, I mean, I'd be open to maybe restricting the number of dogs, but again, I don't even know if that'll make a difference. Mm -hmm. Got good people. I mean, I have neighbors near where I live, and their dogs get out of the fence all the time, and they're you know in my yard, and there's not much I can do about it, you know. Mm -hmm. And like you said, it's a right to farm community. They could have other animals, and and I feel terrible that. But again, you have someone else buying property, trying to use it to the you know permittable uses, and mm 
Oh. Oh. I'm sort of stuck in the middle here, too. <laughs> it's literally and figuratively. Mm -hmm. I like the business model. I think it's, I think it's a, a, an excellent idea, and I think in and of itself, the business model mitigates a lot of the concerns that most people would have living next to a kennel. Um, you know, the traditional kennel is you've got dogs there 24-7, they're, you know, they're out and about, there's cars coming in at all times during the day, picking up, dropping off, what have you. Um, so from the perspective of, of, you know, what this has modified the traditional kennel, I like it a lot. Um, and I'll be, you know, from my opinion, almost any place else, I wouldn't even hesitate to, to allow it. Um, you know, the neighbor's concerns are significant. That being said, I don't know what the, what airborne, mm -hmm. you know, dog allergies is, if that even exists. Um, I, I just don't. Um, and to, you know, the point that some people brought up I don't know, you know, if we limit it to 40, does, you know, well, five, is five dogs going to make a difference? Right. Um, probably not. I do know from, from past experience in dealing with uh, some people that, though, that I don't expect any odor issues whatsoever. You know, the, the services that, that this applicant and other applicants and other uh, similar, similarly situated uh, businesses use they they're they're very good and they they're not I've never heard of a complaint I know of a, a couple of these types of places so um, I that's not a concern for me might be a concern for others I'm not mm -hmm. suggesting it shouldn't be but I don't have any other comments no I mean I don't either I, you know I think it's a good business plan. Um, and it certainly seems different from the traditional kind of business. And it's different in a way it's designed to minimize uh, you know, nuisance complaints from or by neighbors. Um, yeah, so all, you know, that's all in the positive, and again, it's the, the issues that I guess we're all struggling with, the number of dogs and how uh, the number of uh, dogs on the property uh, affects the possible health of the man living next door. That's all I have. <laughs> <laughs> We're hoping for a little <laughs> more. Not sure insight. we're any closer than when we started. <laughs> no. um, let's talk about the the just to give everybody a minute to think about this. Um, talk about the extension on the building. So, under the under the the bylaw, we've got to find that it's a it's an extension of a pre-existing non-conforming condition. Um, if we find that it's not a substantial change or a substantial increase in the non-conformity, um, we can we can approve it. So. Um, it actually moves further away from the boundary line. Yeah, so one of the considerations is are we, are we 
going closer to a non-conforming setback line. Um, increasing the footprint in and of itself does increase the non-conformity, but we don't necessarily have to find that that's a substantial increase. Um, I don't know if anybody has any thoughts on whether or not that should or should not be permissible or allowed. Oh, quite honestly, almost anything to that building would be an improvement. <laughs> I, I didn't hear anyone complain or raise any concerns about that aspect of it. No, I think we were all focused on the other aspect. Well, I mean, I'm just referring to the neighbors. Yeah. I, yeah. No, and there were some pictures on the side of the, mm -hmm. the house that, that I looked at before we came here today, and it looks like it's ready to. It's in rough shape. Well done on itself. It's in rough shape. So. So no, no issues with the No, no issues on that addition. aspect. Nope. Okay. So a motion that we consider well, that a well substantial change and No, 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 you don't, we don't have to find that on that. Yeah. We just we can just make a motion to approve or not approve. Right, um, so and you know, if we can do it as one vote, that's fine. Um, I, I would make I? a motion to approve the uh, the addition to the property. As That's noted in the plans. Okay. Second that. Okay. Uh, motion made by Mr. Cook, seconded by Mr. Curran. No more discussion. All those in favor? Five nothing. So the the addition to the property is approved. So the second aspect of the the spe special permit is the business. So we can talk about it some more. Go back and forth. I don't know that we're ready to to vote on it yet, but. Um, or if anybody's ready to, to another half an hour to jump of in. talking, well, I don't think that's going to make much of a difference either way. It seems fairly split. Mm -hmm. no, so, I mean, I think adding the sound attenuators, the mats or whatever, would be something that we can condition any approval on on anything we would like, um, for the most part. Um, you know, and obviously. I, I would want to include, you know, just something in the special permit that says no overnights, no residential use. Um, you know, to to Tim's no point, weekends. if we're inclined, no weekends. To Tim's point, if we're inclined to approve, um, and everybody's in favor of the the condition of putting the uh, sound dampening fence on the eastern side well, of all and, of the and fences. E and even with a petitioner made the statement of putting those slats between the chain link. Well, I think that's she's going to do that anyway. Right. Yeah. Um, but we can. So we can. So I mean, question I would have is, do we would we have the ability to say, hey, you need to put up vegetation along the fence between the fence and the neighbors, uh, because if it's a, a hair, it's not hair. Hair is going to be blowing all over the place, and allergy sufferers generally suffer from the dander. Right. And how far is the dander going to travel? But if you have, uh, you know, vegetation, would it be? Um, I am not an arborist, so like basically evergreen bushes, larger evergreen bushes. Well, was conifers. my it was my understanding that the that the applicant had had told us that there was vegetation in between, that there was not a clear line of sight mm -hmm. between yeah, the houses. Squiggly line here, I think, indicates that there's some uh, some vegetation. Right. Yeah. yeah. Was it vegetation? Was it? Um, no, it's just us. 
discussing that. Yeah, we can't, no more input <laughs> from. Well, maple elevation sorry, 12. So there's trees. I don't, it's hard to tell how, right, how to tall tell. they are, but. Um, so there is a. I mean, I don't a, know if shrubs. I've known knowledge. Well, it's, it, it's, if, if it's worth. No, I'm just saying that stuff does yeah. help to, to. And slats being in the fence would keep something out, yep. I would assume. Mm -hmm. I don't know how, like you said, how far pet dander would travel. I mean. I have nothing else to add. Does anybody want to make a motion to I have else to approve add. or not approve? I mean, I'll make a motion to approve. With the conditions of the sound dampening right. on the east side, mm -hmm. no residential, no overnights, no weekends, no weekends, and slats and inserted into the chain link fence, and maximum of forty-five, not to exceed forty-five, not to exceed forty-five dogs. Yeah. Motion made by Mr. Cook for approval. Seconded. Seconded by Mr. McCall. Any more discussion? Those in favor? Those opposed? Three to two. That's it. You'll be hearing from a lawyer. It was not approved, sir. Oh, okay. Oh, no, sorry. <laughs> three to two. Well, the motion was three to two to approve, but you need four votes. So. Okay. <laughs> kind of beyond the scope. Uh, motion to close the hearing. So moved. Wait. Sorry. Motion to close by Mr. Cook. Um, actually, wait, before we do that. Calendar. Calendar. All right. So let's quickly. Get back in my microphone. I think that's a violation of privacy. Yeah. yeah, I don't think we can get medical records. No, it's quite explicit about So, and I don't have it in front of me. I, I apologize. No, it was here. I know you gave it to me. So, we were thinking of scheduling out for the rest of this year and then possibly just picking a day um, each month to, to schedule for all of 2019 so they can put the calendar up so people, applicants know when they're, when they're scheduled. Um, so the, we've got the September 25th date already. Um, we'd like to do October 16th, November 20th, and December 18th. Um, you know, uh, it's too early had, for me to in, tell. In but I was going to say, unless anybody has a specific objection sounds uh, good. to I'd any of those I'd, particular I'd, dates. I prefer not to come in on my birthday, Which December is? 18th. Okay. All right. <laughs> Let the record show Mr. Cook is absolved from having to attend on the 18th. All right. So that's September 18th. Um, we've got the September 25th date already. Anybody object to the 16th, 20th, and... December 18th? De December. Hey, check these dates. I'm fine. Sorry. I, it's October 16th. October 16th. November 20th. That's fine. And then December 18th. 
It's in your stack too. Just got to yeah, copy yeah. in there. I don't know where the heck that disappeared to. <laughs> I don't. I mean, it's way early for me to. I mean, I guess you know, for me, it's three or four days out. But this sounds fine to me. I mean, I don't do you know. have? Do you run into issues scheduling wise? Like, if, uh, we, the if problem, we say we're going to do the third Tuesday of every month, kind of thing. I mean, I go to a lot of different registries, and there might be issues where I'm coming from Fall River at four o'clock yeah. and. I should make it here by 6.30, but sometimes it's... Uh, oh, uh, you're coming the right way if you're coming from Fall River. You should be coming the right way, you. but, you well, know, yeah. then it's... Do you have issues, like, is so it easier to schedule around a specific date for you, or, oh, John, I, you? Tuesdays are typically good for me. They are good? That's yeah, me good too. I, I'm yeah. just wondering what day is Thanksgiving? Uh, that's the 22nd. the 22nd. It's that week. Okay, so I'll be away that week. Okay. You should be fine. I mean, unless, is anybody else going away? I mean, I could week? be away that week, but, I mean, we may. I might be too, but I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, it's That's tough to week. say. Huh? That's a hard week. Yeah. Why don't we do it, why don't, for, can we do the 27th that week? Or the 13th? The 13th, if the travel plans that I'm thinking about, I'm going to Twenty-seventh is fine here. I mean, if I, without fine. Steve and Ed here, I don't know what their availability is, and I mean, we don't have anything yet, so maybe we just. The thirteenth, I have a planning board meeting. Okay, well, John's not available the thirteenth, anyways. Twenty-seventh uh, is right after the holiday, right? Correct. Correct. I'm not sure the building's open. What's that? I'm not, I'm not sure if this building's open the day after. Oh, no, it's no, not. No, it's Tuesday, Tuesday after. Tuesday. So it's... Oh, the Tuesday after. Yeah, people are back to their real lives by then. Oh, yeah. Okay, by Tuesday. I, th I thought it was a Thursday for some reason. No, Thursday. Is that all right with you? Yeah. 27th. All right, so why don't we do the 27th, just to be safe. Yes. Since there may be more than uh, one or two that are out that week. Um, December 18th is is fine. I mean, I, even without Ryan, as much as, as much as we'll miss him at Christmas, but... Um, <laughs> Good. If that, if nobody objects to that, and then for 2019, do you guys, do you want to say Tuesdays, third good. third Tuesday of every month? Um, sure. Sounds good to me. I mean, I, I guess I'd like to look at the calendar just to. Make All the sure. boards in the yeah. town hall juggle the days and the meetings. You said the sixteenth. Yeah, there, but nobody's on. Nobody's on the third Tuesday, right? We we determined um, that. There can be, but there are multiple rooms. There's yeah. This room and there's multiple rooms. Yeah. So I can usually find a room. I think we should keep it in this room. Summertime calling Corona room with that air conditioner, you, you can't hear anything. <laughs> you honestly can't. I did that yeah. for three years. It, it's yeah, tough. we did it. The, we did it last week. Yeah. So. Okay, now we can renew Mr. Cook's motion to adjourn. Renewed? Renewed, yeah. Seconded, Seconded by Mr. McCall. All those in favor? Aye. Five nothing. Aye.